Hello, you seekers, explorers, and renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Arkham Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Thoughts, words, and actions. So today we come to the end of the trilogy of things that we can control. Actions. In my estimation, we really only have two types of actions. Uh, inspired action or reaction. In every moment of our lives, we decide... Uh, whether we are reacting or we are taking inspired action. And we decide that based on our preparedness and the work we do within ourselves to make sure that instinct becomes inspired and not reactive. So let's dive deep into the concept of the actions. Enjoy! Uh, today we have a, uh, a quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, yes. Uh, the future depends on what you do today. So when I talk about the action with my clients, I talk about reaction and inspired actions. There are two ways of uh, taking action. So reaction is when you uh, in- instinctively react from a trigger or you're reacting uh, from your core wounding or uh, an emotion. So it's oftentimes or typically, uh, well, a lot of us are stuck in our heads. So uh, when we when we react instinctively to something that triggers us, then we're typically in our head. We don't even have the time to catch catch ourselves before we react on something. Um, someone cut, cut, cutting us off in traffic or, uh, you know, you honk at them or something like that, or someone uh, shouts at you and you react immediately. So there are these types of reactions and they typically come from fear. Uh, it's based on previous experiences and it's your mind recognizing a situation as similar to one that you've experienced previously uh, that kind of goes into the, uh, or comes from the uh, an original uh, uh, sensitizing event or a core wounding, as it were. And that then allow, kind of goes into automation. Your body or your subconscious uh, goes in and reacts because it recognizes it. Um, and this is also when we're unaware of these, uh, we're unaware of ourselves. We're not reflecting on our own experiences. We just react to things that happen to us. Um, so it's an instinctive expression. And this energy in comparison to the inspired action is very loud in terms of uh, the, the noise it makes within you. Uh, so it's, it's very easy to hear it. It says, you need to react this way and you just go for it. Um, and it's very easy to hear it. It's uh, loud, brash, and quite aggressive. It's, it's kind of like, if you don't react this way, you are going to be in danger. So it, it is a defense mechanism. And we, you know, when we work on it, we, we allow ourselves to be grateful for uh, this mechanism to be in place because it has protected us up to the point where we say, okay, well, I can't continue uh, reacting like this because it's not really serving me any longer. Yeah, so it's an instinctive expression of the moment. So it's 
It doesn't care about the outcome. It doesn't care about the bigger picture. It's really about the moment. It's about what the experience is of that moment. So now inspired action is led by intuition and guidance. Uh, it's, uh, it's guided by passion and purpose as opposed to fear. So it's rather than residing in your head, uh, you are now able to observe your own experiences from your heart space or your, uh, with your awareness in your heart space. And we can then intercept the, uh, the emotion, or not intercept the emotion, but we can observe the emotion without uh, judgment as it comes up. So we're not in the head reacting. We are observing what comes up. And then we can, from that point of view, choose how we react to it. And it's based on a more deep-rooted expression. So it has nothing to do with your past experiences. It has all to do with how you want to, uh, what is authentically you and how you um, uh, present yourself to the benefit of the, uh, of the world. So it's looking a lot more on the bigger picture and it's looking at, even though you may not be aware of it, it is looking at the outcome on the other end. So your action may be, from your perspective, seem like you're being meek or uh, that you're going to have a negative outcome. But when we trust this inner wisdom, we're able to tap into uh, know, or a knowing that it's going to be all right on the other end. If we follow this guidance and take inspired action, we are going to uh, come out, out the other end with uh, a learning or an, uh, a benefit that we can't even see when we go into the process. And this is what in Buddhism they talk about right action, for example. And if anybody wants to share any thoughts or uh, opinions or experiences, then please do so. Put up your hand. Um, and it's really down to what feels right. So we're, we're looking at just listening to this soft, gentle, subtle voice or subtle energy that we have within us, as opposed to the loud, brash, aggressive voice that we have in our heads. Good morning. So, well, for me, for you or not, um, I think that out of this series, the action part of it is very important. As you know, the the volume of the intuitive guidance is different depending on the person and which guidance that you are working with. But this is the part that I think with clients and other people that a lot of times people really falter. And that is the fact that you can have all these amazing ideas and I'd love to do this. So when you were talking about thoughts and words in the last two episodes, those are things that come through and it's those divine things. I always know that when my guidance is coming through, it's like, I almost feel like they're, I call those like thought deposits because boom, there's this beautiful information that I know didn't, it just kind of gently comes in. Whereas thinking it has a different frequency to me and I can distinguish between the two, but this part is taking massive action. That is the most important thing. If you have all these beautiful things that are coming forward with your thoughts and your words, but you're just sitting on the couch watching Netflix or, you know, just kind of vegging out or relaxing and things like that. I think there were two different kinds of people during the pandemic. There were people that wanted to just kind of 
check out and just, you know, kind of waited out while they were being entertained. And then there were other people who decided that they were going to take this whole entire space to be able to say, okay, there's a shutdown. So let's go ahead and take massive action to be able to move into a different space. And I know you're one of those people that took massive action. And I'm also one of those people too. And I think that that's the part about where you have to be willing to then birth the thoughts and the words into the 3D reality. And when you are willing to do that, it's almost like this magic trifecta of the thoughts and words and actions coming into fruition of where you actually experience them in the 3D reality. And as you know, there are many miracles that are coming through um, or that you've experienced, I've experienced, that we've witnessed other people experience because they have taken that massive action. But it's the one thing of where it's like, People want to quit smoking or they want to lose weight or they want to do this or they want to do that. They have all these thoughts and words about it, but they don't do anything about it. So that's the part about where it's like, it's the action part that really solidifies changing your actual day-to-day life. Actually, if it doesn't matter what you do, whatever you do is an action. And this is where I differentiate between the inspired action as opposed to the reaction. So uh, during the pandemic, there were a lot of people that reacted with fear. So they took action, but it was inspired by fear and their core wounding. Uh, also, people that just sat on the sofa, and that, that's also that fear of uh, taking act or kind of looking at the situation that they're in and uh, taking that action or taking inspired action. So just sitting on the couch is also an action, but it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it is a reaction because they, they, they are fearful of what they don't know or they don't understand. Uh, wouldn't you agree with that Barbie? I would. I mean, we all went through complete uncertainty and had no idea. Now that we're in a different wave and people thought it was going to be over, everybody's had to kind of adjust, but I think it's, it's still, there's the, you know, I mean, a lot of people, that's how people sell a lot of things. It's like people sell things based on fear or, you know, like they say sex sells and things like that. It's, it's really, um, it's, if you're looking at things from the kind of work that we do, where it's more heart centered conscious entrepreneurship, we're looking at it from a completely different paradigm shift, but we're taking, as you say, inspired action to be deliberate in our intent because it has a certain frequency. And we're trying to attract certain clients and certain people that vibrate at that same level. And we really don't want to be with the old paradigm of the fear and the sex cells. And you need to be controversial to get more clicks and things like that. It's like, that becomes a different, um, that's an old normative. And it's funny how everybody has this idea about what the algorithm has to be and so on and so forth. And it's based on a very, very short amount of time. It hasn't even been around for very much time. And then it's like, oh, you need to have this many, this and followers and you have to have this and that, whatever. And it's like, those are as uh, Vishen Lakhiani calls, those are rules. Mm-hmm. And, and coming into that space of where they, the action that you take, I think also needs to be aligned with your purpose and your mission and the frequency of what you're wanting to put out there. If you're in alignment and congruency with your message, people will pick up on that because I love that quote from Maya Angelou that people will, they won't remember what you said, but they will remember the way that you made them feel. Yeah. And if you have that opportunity of where people feel like they can resonate with your message, they want to take action to be able to be around you because of the fact that you are in action. You are fully embodied with your actual frequency and who you truly are. 
Thank you very much. It's so good to be here. I feel that I haven't been here for ages, so it's very, very good to. It feels very good to be here, and as so always, converse, <laughs> Thank you. So, as always, having conversation with uh, Christopher and Barbie, uh, even something that looks so essential, like action, as, as you, Christopher, said, like everything is an action. Breathing is an action. Walking is an action. Lifting your finger is an action and when we, when we are looking into the things like the, the, the actions itself it seems like you know this is something that we are doing it over every day but actually it is so complex so even the kind of the decision about like how do i move my finger how this kind of that wheel that drives me lifting that finger manifests itself it is super complex biochemical process. And even if you ask some experts in the field, it is almost impossible for them to explain like what is actually happening there. Like what is, what are the brain mechanisms and, and how this all moves. Like for them, the, the, even though the, the level of their knowledge and understanding is so much greater than mine, when it comes to the biochemistry, the act of lifting, lifting finger is to some, some degree so mysterious because it requires that, you know, that consciousness itself. Um, and what I'm trying to say, when, you, when, you, when it comes to act, I think what you were talking about, about the emotions, about feeling specific vibration, whether this is the fear vibration of, of, uh, or love vibration, I think it's the most important paradigm or, or lens that you can adopt or change your perspective and act through the perspective of, you know, the love and change, replace fear and act with, and, and focus on love. And then when you start focusing or looking at life through the perspective of love, your actions will follow. So you can be trapped in your emotions, you can be trapped in fear, or you can be trapped in so so much negativity, and it doesn't, it just doesn't fuel your body. If you are in that constant fear paradigm, you won't have an opportunity to move because that is something that is just like kind of all the time battling you and it just wants to bring you down. If you fill yourself with love, the actions will follow automatically because you're there when you love you, you don't have the space for fear. So it's much easier to, to be compassionate towards yourself. And if you are full of fear, anything that you do is never good enough. And if things are not good enough, why is it? What is the point of trying? So if you replace that fear with love and compassion towards yourself, and you know, actually, I am good enough. I can I can only try my best. And if I try my best today that threshold is going to be moved tomorrow and I am going to try even better tomorrow. You know, if you, if you start running and, and aiming to achieve and, and run marathon, you know, you start with 5K. But after a, some time of training, you will be able to run marathon. You just need time and compassion and faith and belief and action mm-hmm. that leads you there. And I, I think a lot of people, when, when they think about that emotional aspects of and emotional dimensions of our existence, they forget that, you know, the emotional aspects of our dimensions, uh, the emotional dimension of our existence can be very easily translated to that physical aspects. 
And we do that in the physical world, but sometimes, you know, that, that is missing the translation. Yeah, and what you're talking about relates back to uh, the quote I had in the beginning that, you know, what, what you, the future depends on what you do today. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, taking, focusing on inspired action on a daily basis, the, the, there's a whole practice behind it. It's not merely saying, okay, now I'm going to take inspired action. It's, it's knowing what is inspired. What is it that inspires you? And what is it that is authentically you? That is then going to drive uh, that action forward. So, yeah, it, absolutely. It's replacing uh, whether it's love, compassion, whatever high-frequency emotion you want to bring into it. Uh, but yeah, absolutely replacing that fear. But I think for a lot of us, when when you are in that fear state, it's you can't see the forest because of all the trees. And so therefore, you, you get trapped in this idea that or constantly uh, defending yourself, right? Mm. From, from the experience or based on the experiences that you've had, rather than say sitting down and just going within and saying, well, is this really what I want to experience? And seeing how you can move out of this state or uh, environment of fear and move into uh, something where you can choose. And it isn't really about choice here. It is about choosing to control your actions. Um, and if you don't realize that you have a choice about it, you're not going to make a move towards making a choice either. Because a lot of us, a lot of people feel that, you know, life's happening to them. Therefore, they have no choice in the matter. But they're running around trying to control everything around their environment from that fear perspective. But even though, like, sometimes in, a, in meditation, in some meditation practices, you observe your thoughts and, and emotions as something that appears to you, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, the thoughts are coming and you can look at the same through the perspective of, of actions. Like, I move my hands right now and I can, I can look at this as perspective, like, I move my hands or my hand is being moved and I just watch this. Mm -hmm. But that act of observance and that act of perceiving something that is happening, I, I think what is crucial to understand is not a passive act, it's very active act. And Absolutely. I think what you what you are and I what you are saying, and I hundred percent agree with this, that you have the choice all the time. So you might not have a choice which what your next thought is going to be. Because you know, I don't know whether I'm gonna think about the pink unicorn or pink elephant. I don't know what my next thought is going to be, but I have a choice how I'm going to engage with it. So Absolutely. I welcome it. Yeah. Hello, you. Hello, pink elephant. Welcome or go away. And it, it can become a very aware process of, oh, that's what is interesting. Like, where does it come from? What does it what try what what does it try to tell me? Is there any other actions that I need to take? Because a lot of you know that the, our mind is very complex um, creature, organ, organ, however you want to call it. The, it's, it's very anyway, it's very, very complex. And the interaction between different parts of your mind 
it's it's the same like with the physical body again like you be, you've got your physical body but you are not aware of this at all the time so now you are perhaps you know you might be aware of some parts of your body but you might not be aware about of your elbow until i say your elbow and then your awareness goes there and the same is in your mind you've got so many components of your of your mind you've got different memories you've got different relationships with different people you've got different knowledge and you are not you you wouldn't be able to kind of be aware about this all at all the time because your attention your consciousness is like the spotlight it's it it is like the searchlight or panopticon in the in the prism that it can be directed at a very kind of small wedge. Mm-hmm. But, That's where you put your awareness, yeah. But when you put your awareness into a specific thing, then you can decide what you're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes, when something comes to your awareness, when it's unexpected, you can welcome it and say, oh, that's interesting. Like, what this try to tell me? What is it that I can do with it? Or you can start judging yourself and approaching you with fear and saying, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, oh my God, what is happening? I'm a victim of my life. And then if you decide to do that, then more and more thoughts like that and judgment is going to appear in your life. So that that awareness is the key mm-hmm. and that i'm not talking only about that awareness of what is happening right now but that meta awareness of what you are doing what is your pattern of reacting to false actions emotions in general yeah and um yeah it was a pity you weren't here uh, in the past two weeks carol we were talking about thoughts and words but i know you ha- had desire to be here but just to touch on the uh, thoughts and it is an interesting, and I don't think we went there actually. It's an interesting kind of question to ask: uh, Does the thought appear? Does a thought appear just on its own, or is it triggered by something? Um, so that's something because uh, uh, the way I subscribe to is that you can control your thoughts. Now, thoughts appear just willy-nilly when we're not practiced uh, to control them. But when a thought appears, as you say, pink elephant, then I can say, okay, interesting. I wonder why pink elephant came up in my mind or I'm thinking of a pink elephant. Um, And I can ask myself the question, where, where does that come from? But I have now the power to, because I put my awareness on my thoughts, I can now choose what my next thought is going to be. Mm-hmm. So if my thought is I'm not good enough, I can ask myself, why am I not good enough? What, wh- where is this coming from? Where, what aspect of myself is unhealed that is causing me to think I'm not good enough? And when, then I, when that kind of thought has released, I can then go, well, you know what? I am good enough. Then I can choose that thought. So I, prescri- I subscribe to the notion that all thoughts are triggered by something. Um, and the trigger we can't control. But the, if we observe the trigger, we can then control the thought that follows the trigger. It's very similar conundrum. And I was puzzling with this and I don't have an answer on that. It's like whether our mind is in our brain or brain is in, our, in the mind. Mm-hmm. 
And this is what you are saying about the thought is something that uh, let me understand whether I got it right. It's like, you know, whether the thought is something that is internal to you or there is something that the thought might be external to you and it just you kind of receive it yeah yeah well, i mean thought is such a big area and we could really spend a yeah. lot of hours talking. <laughs> we might do a follow-up on uh, on that episode but uh it is interesting and you know thinking is an action um as well as speaking is an action uh, because you are putting an energy out there, you are taking an action. Um, and as we said, sitting on the sofa doing nothing, watching Netflix is an action because you are watching something. You are taking information in, you are feeling, you're, you, you're, uh, just sitting on a sofa doing nothing doesn't mean the world doesn't move, uh, continue evolving and changing and you're not, kind of insulating yourself from changing things change all the time even if you're resisting it by not doing anything um, so there, there is this uh, resistance also becomes an action you and even when we are reacting to something we are choosing our action because if i choose if if i constantly react to triggers uh, say I get cut off on the uh, on the motorway and I swear and I, you know, honk or flash my lights or whatever. I am choosing, even if that's an immediate or instinctive reaction that I, I don't really feel I have control over. I still choose to act like or react like that because I'm choosing not to do anything about it. It's actually, it's very funny that you use that example because it's actually happened to me several days ago that someone caught me off and then that person was shouting at me. It wasn't my fault. That person sh started shouting at me and I showed my middle finger to that person. And I was driving with my wife and she said like, what's happening to you? You are so negative. And I said like, no, I just wanted to show that person that actually I disapproved that behavior, but I showed him middle finger, but I still sent him love. You know, I love this guy and regardless of what he did, but in that moment, it was the only one thing that I was able to kind of show him that, you know, just think, think next time because it's, you're, it was very dangerous driving. And, you know, um, so it was, so well, it's the context as well that is very important. It's the context and you in that relationship with that context. Absolutely. But at the same time, you know, as long as we are willing to be responsible for our action and realize that we have a choice in how we react or act, <laughs> you know, what's a funny, virtuous but, finger. It's a virtuous <laughs> finger. <laughs> Always with love and light, right? <laughs> but the, uh, but you know, if this guy had, uh, you know, uh, stopped his car and gotten out and beaten the crap out of you for you flipping him the finger, you know, you say, well, I sent love to you at the same time. <laughs> you know, that's obviously, um, he, he might not really respond to that. So as long as we are, recognizing that we we make it that choice and that we control the action even if that control at that very moment is very minimal but the fact that we're not doing the work on ourselves to 
uh, have that control uh, at that very moment, that is a choice in itself. I completely agree with you. And it goes the other way as well. Um, but, and, and it's crucial to understand and I think that we had this conversation many times as well, that, you know, we are not responsible for other people's reactions. Like, we can only be our best. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, and my best today is completely different to my best tomorrow. And sure, when sure. I didn't say that with judgment. <laughs> I, I know I, I know that you didn't, and it was fair fair example, and I completely get the meaning, and I'm just playing the devil mm -hmm. advocate because... This is the nature of the discussion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but it's, uh, and that's what I'm saying. As long as we are individually responsible, or we, we take responsibility for our actions, whatever that may be. Mm. Um, you know, it could be that uh, someone che uh, cheats us. Say you have a business deal, someone cheats us out of, uh, you know, a million pounds. Now, you can choose to go after that person in the courts. You can choose to harbor resentment and bitterness and anger. You can choose to uh, let it go and just say, well, you know what? I'm, I can make another million pounds. It's fine. Right? So the actions we take, uh, it really has to, in terms of inspired action, it risks has to reflect what is authentically uh, ourselves. And so perhaps at that particular time, the inspired action is to let it go. Or the inspired action is to take him through uh, to the court system and uh, sue him and you know go through that whole rigmarole. Uh, but we don't know that. And the check-in and the question to ask is what is motivating us? Am I motivated by fear or am I motivated by uh, an inner knowing? Mm -hmm. So it might very well be that you need to let him get away with it because he's supposed to learn something about himself or you're supposed to go after him because he needs to learn that, that he can't uh, do that. Like that he has to have uh, an immediate uh, consequence of that so it really depends on the individual's uh, situation and you can't dictate that from when you go into it you can prepare yourself mentally when you sit in meditation you can say you know what this is a situation that may come up let me feel into that how am i going to feel what what's the trigger so that you're prepared for that but then the uh, action you're going to take that you may not know until you actually get there. Yeah, and um, when you were talking about this, Christopher, it was very interesting because I, I had a lot of thoughts um, coming about like Chinese Taoist philosophers who, and even like Gestalt therapists who are talking a lot mm -hmm. about the creative indifference and in, in Chinese philosophy and Taoism and, and Zen, in fact, you are indifferent to anything that is happening all the time. And your action is detached from any form of judgment mm -hmm. because that judgment is attachment to your thought or idea of what is happening to you 
But if you remove that judgment and you are just merely accepting, and again, the acceptance is not the passive phrase, but it's the acceptance is a very active process. And but you, when you are when you are fully able to accept what is happening, then life goes in the flow. So I think uh, Alan Woss was really great in uh, representing that. Mm -hmm. So when you imagine the the river. And you know, some if you if you were a small particle of water in the river and you try to go against the the stream, you know, you might think that you go against the stream, but actually the, the whole power of the wheat of the of the water of the river push you with the stream. But you can just let it go and you go with that stream. And you go into the place that you need to be in anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's the same what is happening, you know, a lot of, again, it was a great um, Zen story that I don't remember about, uh, like full details about this, but it was about this boy who was going to go to the military and he broke his leg and whatever. And the Zen master, regardless of what seemed to be happening to this guy, he was like, yes, okay, yes, okay. He was completely... Good thing, bad thing, different. I don't know. Yeah. He was, yes, exactly. I don't know. I don't know. And people were like, how can you say he's, he's clearly bad what is happening to him? I don't know. Yeah, and that's that's what I said before, that when we, when we go into a situation and we have taken inspired action and we can move into that situation and experience without that fear, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. There might be a lot of pain along the way, but because we are moved by inspired action it is our guidance and our intuition that is moving us through this experience we don't know if it's going to be a good or bad thing it doesn't really matter it's the experience in itself that is going to be important and we are just having that trust that we are meant and tr trust and acceptance towards that we're meant to have that experience and learn from it um, and come out the other side we're always going to be fine, mm. right? So uh, very important. And, you know, when we take action, we, we, it is fed based, you know, what action we take is often fed on, you know, what are our boundaries? Uh, what, what is uh, our fear? I, what experiences have we had previously? What's our perspective of the experience? Um, what what's the what are what is our desired outcome and that is what kind of drives our reaction a lot of times but if we can move into an experience and take inspired action from uh based on guidance and intuition then we don't need to worry about these other things because we trust that our boundaries are maintained because we are using that inner wisdom and boundaries, as we've talked about in previous episodes, is not, uh, they're not borders that say here, but no further. They change all the time and they're, they're fluctuating, they're fl fluid, they're dynamic. And just like you say, the, uh, uh, the, uh, with the water, you know, you come up against the branch, you flow around it. Yeah. You know, you may not, like you, you may not accept the branch, but uh, well, then you're going to stop at that branch and uh, resist it. 
But if you accept it and, and you say, well, you know, I can go around it, then you do that, right? And you don't go, well, no, I'm the water. I'm going to go through the, the branch. The branch is uh, in my way. I need to go through it, right? You instead say, you know what? Well, it doesn't really matter. All I need to do is to flow. That's my purpose. So, again, looking at that motivation, what is the motivation for our action? And as we're moving into the action, how does it feel in your body? Sorry, Christopher, I feel that I'm talking about it. I haven't been on this episode and the podcast for too long, and I feel that, you know. You have so uh, much to say. <laughs> I don't know whether this is for good or bad. <laughs> it's always good. It's good. Uh, it's all good. But what is the motivation for the action? And when, when we think about the biology, for example, and there is a lot of studies done about the compassion and love and meta-loving kindness, and there is... Hello, Phoebe. And... Um, we know from lots of studies that people who focus on love, for example, focusing on meta-loving kindness meditation, they, you know, their immune system goes up, they don't age in the same way that people who are constantly living in stress, their, their relationship are better with themselves, with, with other people. So... If we are looking at any, like even the healing process after the surgery or any kind of procedures, anything that is happening when people are meditating, especially focusing on things like loving kindness towards themselves, have positive impact on their lives. Mm -hmm. So, and I think this is the main principle that guides actions that or, or can be used to guide actions. Like if something feels just good and warm and compassionate towards oneself and towards others, then I think that's the, the signpost that shows that, oh, that's, that might be the way to go. Because of course you cannot predict the outcome or, or fully predict the outcomes, but if the compassion and love and, and that, that attitude is your guiding principle, then there is good chance that that might be there. Yeah, good, well, I think that's thing. a... That's a fair statement, um, uh, but the I think it's deeper. Than, uh, I would even go deeper than that and say, if it feels gentle, then you then you and it feels gentle in a in the heart space, and that that could be to you that might be how love feels. Um, I think for a lot of people, love is oftentimes attached to something external to them. So I would probably make it more generic and say that, you know, if you have that gentle feeling in your, in your, um, in your heart space, that then uh, is an indication as to uh, that you're moving in, in, in the right direction. But if you feel constricted, you feel um, uh, it's, it's, this like uh, if you feel resistance and all of these things then that is an indication as uh, to that you're reacting from a fear space now often uh, of course there could be situations where you're moving into something and you have that uh, you have fear coming up then you might want to look okay is this fear or excitement and you may say well you know what i'm going to choose that to treat it as excitement 
because you're moving into something that is uh, challenging to you. But in order to be in flow, you know, if you look at uh, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi's uh, work or his studies uh, into flow, it's this process of fluctuating between um, challenging yourself and being an expert. So you're constantly pushing yourself into the area of being not an expert. And when you're an expert, you move into the next area. So it's this constant flow. And there needs to be this sense of being a little bit, and I think a lot of people will say a little bit fearful, but I would say a little bit excited because you, because you can choose whether you're excited or, or afraid. If you take a race car driver who's taking a corner in a Formula One car uh, 100 miles an hour, uh, as a non-race driver, I would probably be quite fearful of that. But to them, it's excitement because they are masters at it. And it is something they thrive on. Uh, so our brains don't know the difference between fear and excitement. So again, we choose. We can take an action to choose to treat it like excitement. And then excitement has a totally different feeling to fear. So if we can then uh, uh, move into the feeling, okay, well, let, let me feel what it would feel like excitement. If we're still feeling that constriction, that is another indication that perhaps we're coming from a place of fear here. And, you know, just ask yourself the question, what's my motivation for this action? Is it fear or is it being inspired? So a couple of things to remember also uh, that when we take action, we have uh, the body memory and we have also the subconscious memory. So when we are triggered, for example, um, if we have, if we've experienced trauma or even to a greater degree uh, uh, PTSD, it could actually sit in your body. So if you meet uh, a person, for example, that resembles a person that is, or someone that is personifying the trauma that you experienced, you might feel shakiness in your entire body. And that's because before your brain even connects the dots, you might not even understand it, but you might feel this shakiness or your stomach just cramps up, right? So the body has its own memory as to your experiences as well. And that's important for this process to understand that, um, you know, when we start looking at what we can do to, uh, to control our actions, is to understand the, uh, the different uh, experiences that we can have around this. Uh, and then, of course, we also have the, uh, the uh, subconscious uh, patterns that we, uh, we're constantly putting out there. And it's, you know, this comes from that original sensitizing event, the uh, original trauma or the uh, uh, core wounding that we don't necessarily remember. This is why it's important to always ask the question. Interesting, I have anger coming up. Why is that? Where does it come from? Because then uh, when we ask those questions to ourselves, we are uh, compelled to give ourselves the answer. And it's not a mind process. It's not your brain, you actively uh, coming up with it. It's going to be presented to you. So it's being, allowing yourself to be open to the answer.
I just want to comment on what you were talking about with the idea of, of love being this gentle feeling that you have inside of your body, because I think that I'd like to challenge the notion in the sense of where if that is the way it feels for you, then that's one thing. But the bottom line is that a lot of times people, you can't really describe love to somebody who doesn't have that experience and doesn't know that. I just recently went to a memorial for, you know, a couple that had been together who, you know, they were older in life. And ultimately it's like, you know, they were so pat so completely in love with each other. They had their ups and downs, but it's still, to me, I think of, you know, when I think of love, I mean, obviously there's multiple different ways of, of experiencing it, but it's this giant opportunity in the sense of where it's, it's the sunshine. It's like literally being at the beach and having this beautiful warmth that's coming down from the sky that comes down into your body. And you feel this absolute radiance of this beautiful thing. I mean, Carl is a brand new, new, father. And I'm sure that loving feeling of seeing his baby for the first time, it's something that it literally washes over your body. But somebody that doesn't want a baby, they see that child and they have something wash over them like, oh my God, I just had a kid and I didn't want this kid. And now I'm all, you know, it's like, it just totally, it is very, as you were saying, it goes back to the core wounding. But I think that it's really, I know even for myself recently, it's like, I've realized that I have, I, I literally embody love. That's something that people in, in, even in my brand and what I do around the world, it's like, I embody love. It's like, that's what I want to do. I want to share that with people and allow them to fall in love with themselves, to see the reflection of what it feels like to connect with somebody that's emanating that sunshine. And from that perspective, it's, it's giving that person, it almost becomes a contagion. It's like that loving energy becomes a virus in and of itself and has the opportunity to be able to kind of, you know, emanate around the world. And so it's like, I want a viral opportunity to be able to share love, but most of my life, I didn't have any receptacles to be able to give it to anybody. I didn't have any place to be able to, to put it. And now it's like, I'm having the opportunity to be able to look at where these receptacles are, but I don't have to give it anything specific. I just need to emanate it and have it somatically of where I am radiating that beautiful, radiance of loving energy. And then from there, I will attract all of the, the experiences, people and things that want to resonate at that frequency with me. And I think that's something of where, you know, if you've been shut down your whole entire life by people that ultimately ends up being in the sense of where it's like, you have to reprogram yourself to be able to allow yourself to open up. Because as you said, the fear is oftentimes that it's not safe to be loving. It's not safe to be kind. It's not safe to be nice. Uh, people think that it's manipulative or that you want something from them or you have an agenda. And it's like, nope, just running around smiling because I feel like smiling. <laughs> it's like, you know, I don't want anything from you other than the fact that I'm at the grocery store and I smile at you. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I just want to have a great day. I hope you have a great day. And I hope that person has a great day. And then you have these opportunities of where everything kind of like expands. So I think that I, I if, if that's how it feels for you, where it's this gentle feeling, that's, that's absolutely fine. But I'm telling, like, from my perspective, it is beautiful ray of sunshine. I live in California. We have beautiful sunny days. And it's like when that sun is shining on my face and I can look up and see the gorgeous blue sky and the clouds, that to me is what love feels like. Oh, yeah. No, it wasn't in uh, response to what love feels like. I was uh, just saying in terms of that, when you know you're taking the right action, um, because uh, you know, it might to Carol might feel like love, uh, it, and it doesn't necessarily need to be that same feeling for someone else. But it is that gentle calmness that comes from within uh, that uh, 
to me in a way, uh, indicates that I'm on the right track here and I am taking the right action. Now, sometimes, as you say, <laughs> it can come from a, a, a ray of sunshine from a, a clear blue sky. Uh, and this, uh, the feeling is, is then uh, a lot stronger, but it, it doesn't, doesn't always have to be like that when you're taking inspired action. It's, it's, uh, it's like intuition. It can be very gentle and, uh, uh, to me anyway. That's how I experienced it. So it, it, it wasn't uh, my description of how love is. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, but I'm just saying that to challenge your audience to check in with themselves and oh, what sure. it feels like. That's yeah. what I'm saying in the sense of where check in for yourself as to what does it feel like for you? Because mm -hmm. what? Because a lot of times I think people get so shut down that they're numb for most of their lives. They don't know what that actually feels like. And yeah. then when they connect in a way, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, we need We need more love in the world. That's for sure. Thank you for the input, Barbie. Thanks. It was very interesting. I'm glad that Barbie brought this uh, subject of love because I think this is very interesting point, very interesting thing because love is the gentle feeling, but in order to get to learn or in order to feel love as gentle feeling, you have to learn or actually unlearn a lot of things because to some degree, love is death because love, you know, as Jung said, when you are focusing on something, you've got the cast a shadow that is being cast in the other direction. And this is actually what is happening with unconditional love. Like when you love someone or truly unconditionally, there is a death and there is a death of your personality. There is a death of your narcissism. You know, there is a death that, that your egocentric self and that ego very often you know it's there for a reason and it feels scared so scared and it, it can experience a lot of fear so there is always uh, and you know Jung is big 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 on that and not only Jung but in order to experience white you need to see black mm -hmm. and we often we learn or we train to conceptualize things like I doubt tree is thinking, oh, I'm growing my branches in those directions. It just does it. And I think that we have we have forgotten how to just be. We conceptualize things constantly, like, oh, yeah. I love because you know this is my son. I love because of XYZ. But where is just feeling of love? Just just love. Yeah. You know, the cloud doesn't think what shape it's got to has, you know, it, it just is. And the same with animals. Animals just are, and we have to, we always strive to make reasons for it. And this is great what you Barbie are doing, that you can just go and smile for no reason, because this is the way we should be. Just smile for no reason, bring joy and happy, happiness. And because this is a wonderful thing to, you know, to experience in life. Yeah, and the and it is when we're in that state that the actions we take, we may not understand them, but they are natural and they just happen. And that is true inspired action because they are there. We just follow that purpose and we follow that that inner guidance and uh, wisdom that we have within us. Uh, we we don't analyze it. We don't judge it. We just follow that. Uh, all the way through so absolutely a very important uh, point to, uh, 
point to make that just being or just feeling is a huge part of that. Uh, and if we can do that, then we don't we can trust that our actions are always going to be the ones that are for our own highest good and for those around us as well, because they are going to, uh, even if it might be our actions might challenge someone to go through pain, but that is perhaps exactly the pain they have to go through in order to come out the other end with the tools and the resources and the uh, learning that they have to do in order to uh, uh, progress and evolve uh, as a human being. So when the, the, the objective is to always take inspired action. And from what perspective you do that uh, really doesn't matter, but it's, it, <clears throat> you know, if you have to put yourself in a situation where you have to kind of force yourself to take inspired action or take action uh, towards a greater goal. So for example, my stated bigger goal is to help humanity prioritize uh, or empower humanity to prioritize uh, purpose. Now, as long as I take steps every single day towards that, then I know that I am going to get closer to that goal. Now, some of those steps may be miscalculations or missteps, um, and, but I will learn from that. And then I can calibrate to become more and more sensitive to what is inspired action to me. What is my intuition? What is my, uh, uh, where is my guidance coming from? How does the guidance feel? Because that's something that most of us have to relearn as we uh, get to become more aware of ourselves. Uh, and as we start to recognize, recognize our own uh, responsibility and our own accountability in our own lives. But it is that uh, it is taking those first steps and starting to learn. So sometimes we have to kind of just take action um, towards a bigger goal. Um, so that's something that you may want to uh, consider for yourself. What is your bigger goal in life? When you show up to be of service, what is that towards? And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything audacious, but big enough that you you can't sit there and think of, oh, how am I going to achieve this? Uh, make it big enough that it's you, you're not even going to consider whether it's achievable or not, but you know, just know that you can take action towards that. So the when we're talking, you know, talking about this, ability to take inspired action it is like i always say observe your own experiences uh, so that when you have uh, you feel triggered that you don't take actions based on the trigger but ask yourself what is my motivation for this uh, this action is it because i'm fearful or is it because i'm inspired to do it and always kind of be in that not in a dis disassociated way where you're outside your body looking in because then you're not experiencing <laughs> yourself uh, and then you're try actually trying to avoid experiencing things. So it's experiencing the emotion, the uh, body sensation, the thought, whatever it is, experience it, but then choose 
how you are going to think, speak, or act uh, out um, based on that experience so that you feel that you are in control of what you are in control of and that you have the choices that you have. So when you go back and look at that experience, you say, yep, no, I was fully conscious of my choices there. I was fully conscious of my control. Um, The choice I made was not based on uh, on, uh, what inspired me. It was based on fear. I recognize that I am accountable for that. And then you can go through that process of being compassionate to yourself. You accept your choice and you then move into uh, being grateful for that process and forgiving yourself for that. So that you're not, you know, you're not moving through a process where you're accusing yourself or blaming yourself, which is uh that will lower your frequency, which will make it a lot harder to uh, move into a space of listening to your own uh, intuition and guidance. And also be open yourself up to having that experience. Open yourself up to receiving answers to the questions you ask. You know, where does this anger come from? When was the first time I experienced this, uh, the anger uh, in this way? Uh, so setting the intention to be open to that and, you know, explore situations uh, that would trigger. So when you're in motivation or in uh, med- meditation, that you kind of using that stoic philosophy a little bit or stoic meditation where you put yourself in a situation for 20 seconds where you experience that fear or that uh, anger or uh, whatever uh, the emotion is just so that you know, okay, well, if this comes up, it's going to feel this way. So that you recognize and then you then you can say, okay, well, this is how I would react if I reacted from that emotion. But if I choose to choose my reaction, how would that feel? How would it feel to kind of intercept that emotion and just experience the emotion without... Uh, without reacting to it uh, and reacting from it, but to be in your heart space and um, choosing how you react to or act on the uh, on the uh, trigger, on the emotion. And then, of course, you don't stay in it for too long, but stay in it for a bit and then move out of it. And then you can move into another thing. But, you know, always, like uh, Carol was saying, experience both sides of it because then you are preparing yourself, you're resourcing yourself to it, and you won't be so concerned when that emotion comes up. You will, you can trust that you are going to observe it, you are going to catch it, you are going to be able to control the reaction you have. And it's not about you know, stifling your emotions or stifling anything. So a lot of people say, oh, you should get your anger out. Absolutely. You need to express it. Express it in a mindful way. Express it in a way that is going to feel good for you. Now, you can't control the uh, the actions of others. We are talking about the things you can control here, your words, thoughts, and actions. So whatever other people's reaction to you is, hasn't got anything to do with you. That's all to do with their experiences and their core wounding and their resourcefulness and 
it's their job to do their work, not yours. So you're not there to control them. You're there to work on yourself and how you show up in the world. Um, and also an important question to ask as well is, what is it that you're reacting to? So I heard a, st heard a story on the uh, radio this morning. It's uh, one of these uh, stories from uh, Zen Master. And so he's laying in the boat, slumbering, just my uh, daydreaming uh, out on the uh, ocean, uh, out on the uh, lake, and suddenly a boat bumps into him, crashes into him, and he feels that all the rage coming up is like, how dare they disturb my uh, my peaceful time here? And before, as he's uh, about to open his eyes and give the person who crashed into him, uh, you know, the the tenth uh, degree. He opens his eyes and there's nobody in the other boat, right? So whose fault was it that the boat crashed into? Well, it wasn't anybody's fault. So then you realize that the reaction is all within yourself. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's your reaction. You're the one who is reacting. And as you're, if you're, are in that situation where your eyes are closed, then you can notice it coming up. You can start saying, well, how do I want to react to this? How I can react angrily uh, if it's relating to someone else, and then I'll probably escalate the situation. Or I can react calmly, but maintaining my boundaries and trusting that I do that in that conversation. So uh, you don't go into all fight or flight mode so it's about that process as well to stay within your person sympathetic uh, 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 reaction to the situation. I just wanted to also put it into perspective in the sense of where a lot of things are also divine timing. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I just had a recent situation of where there was an event, a very large event that I had manifested a beautiful angel donor of someone that's going to pay the the opportunity for contracts and there were all these different components that were going to be able to be out there but then ultimately the event has now been postponed from february until september and exactly to the point of what you were just talking about it was something of where in that sense a lot of people would be like oh why why did that happen and, oh da, 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 and, rah, 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 and it was like i was so calm and so at peace with it and it was just, it was such a perfect thing because I realized that now I have all these other opportunities to be able to grow into that space in the next four or five months with the infinity life and with thrival flow and with science of signs and just all these different pieces and components. And then there's a book launch and then there's this and there's that. So it's like, it's looking at the, what I call the divine tapestry or the universal connect the dots of allowing all of these beautiful things to know that there is a purpose for that of the timing has to be right for everything. It has to be this beautiful tapestry of where that golden thread gets spun into the, the fabric. And then from there, you can allow yourself to see it from that perspective. And now I can look at that of where I'm like, wow, the universe is so amazing in the sense of where it put all of these little tiny details and pieces that I could not have done myself together. But instead of 
like railing against it and being upset that it didn't happen the way that I thought it was going to happen. Instead, it happened in this beautiful unfolding and it's a win-win for everybody. It just gets delayed another four or five months. And it's like, so what? So that is something of where I think it's really looking at your life as this masterpiece and looking at the fact that a lot of the things that happened to you in the past or a lot of the things that are part of your life, if you continue to update and upgrade your information, then you're able to take action in a different way because there were all sorts of pieces. And I'm not going to lie. I mean, I, I had a meltdown about a week ago where it was, I was not in, in alignment with any of it. And I was really just like, ah, but now, you know, but then once that news came forward, I was just so amazed at how calm I was. And it was just like, oh, it was postponed, rescheduled. Awesome. That I, I'm, you know, rebooked my flight, rebooked my hotel room. And it was like, it's all good. Yeah, no, and that is very true. And it's, it's when you are in that space that you can have uh, take inspired action and being calm in that situation is inspired action because not reacting to it is inspired action uh, so that you allow it's this sense of acceptance that that the all these little pieces that you're talking about they is so complex because there are so many external uh, variables that come into it, we couldn't even start to uh, understand it. So when something like that happens, just trusting that it's for your highest good and that it is for for uh, some sort of purpose and being an acceptance of that then allows you to just say, well, you know, my little brain couldn't understand and put together all these pieces and clearly there's something else that needs to happen or something else that needs to come into play. And that's fine. I accept that. And that's okay. So well done, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> but Thank yeah, you. so I hope that uh, we have uh, at least delved in a little bit into, you know, the difference here between inspired action as opposed to reaction and just continue to question your motives to your action. Does it come from fear or does it come from you being inspired? So uh, just do that on a continuous basis. Continue to observe your own experiences so that you can become a participant and uh, choose how you show up in life and just show up from a, a, you know, a point of authenticity and that you can then move into being the optimal versions of uh, version of yourself and be a role model to others. So right now on my screen, I see a Confucius quote when it's obvious that the goals cannot be reached. Don't adjust the goals, adjust your action steps. There are no coincidences, right? Barbie. So nope. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you everybody for joining us and bringing your beautiful energies as always. And I hope to see you next week when we will talk about uh, what we're talking about next week. Uh, we're talking about behavior. Until then, have a good one. Bye. There's more to do with how we prepared, prepare for when we need to take action that matters in the moment that we take action than actually making the choice during taking action. So if we can prepare ourselves to be able to extend the moment between 
the uh, trigger and the moment of taking action, we can actually uh, consciously come in and intercede or intercept the signal, the trigger of being uh, taking reactive uh, action as opposed to inspired action. However, that does require preparedness, practice, awareness and self-reflection. Um, making the decision that we want to be able to control our actions is the first step. So if you'd like to learn more about how you can control your words, your thoughts and your actions, please do contact us at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and schedule a session with us. You have an opportunity of scheduling a 30 minute call with us free of charge uh, to make sure that you can uh, work through these processes and build up the tools and resources to actually control, control your words, your thoughts and your actions. For now, I wish you all the best and uh, have a great week ahead until next time at the Alchemy Experience podcast. And of course, as always, we release new episodes on Fridays at 11.11 11, uh, British time. So we hope to see you then. Take care.